Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Cool Zone for the first edition of the Cool Zone Pod, presented by Mouth and Off Sports. I am your host, Nick Brown, alongside my co-host, Jonathan Sullivan, and soon-to-be future guests on this pod, uh, many of the people under the Mouth and Off Sports umbrella. Will be probably joining us at some point uh, to name them, probably Dan Sadik, maybe uh, Mike Ayula, probably not Zach Lacey. Ryan Brown, maybe. Maybe Ryan Brown, that'll be a Zoom pod. That'll be a Zoom pod for sure. Um, but basically, if you can't tell, if you haven't checked out our Twitter account already, at cool, uh, the at the cool Zone pod on Twitter, uh, we are a basketball podcast, hence the, the word zone in the pod. I know it's very creative. Um, that's, my, that's my basketball genius for you. But we are basically going to dive into everything NBA. You probably won't hear next to anything college basketball related because the two of us aren't uh, what I would call wizards in the basketball uh, college basketball scene. But you never know. You, you might hear an Iowa sprinkled in. You might hear a Texas sprinkled in. And that's probably as far as you're going to get. So college basketball fans, be triggered and get out. So uh, what I thought we would do in our intro episode is kind of you know set the table for the entire NBA season. And by that I mean give out some predictions. Nothing too crazy. Nothing to bore anybody, the three people listening. Uh, but kind of just a who do we think is going to top each conference maybe some NBA finals predictions and then see who's going to win those awards maybe uh stay tuned to see if two two hundred dollar million two hundred million dollar man Rudy Gobert takes home another defensive player of the year him and Shaq feeding right now more on that later but so let's let's hop right into it so um uh, let's talk about that Eastern Conference you know we talked about teams like the Nets will Irving and Durant mesh well will they play well off injury so uh, let's let's start with you, Jonathan. Who do you think is uh, going to be at the top of this Eastern Conference come whatever it is, April, March, um, whenever they're starting? Well, I if you had asked me after Christmas when I watched the Celtics get obliterated by the Nets in the second half, I would have told you the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, the Brooklyn Nets are kind of struggling right now. This could be the a classic case of a team that you know kind of struggles to find their footing in the first uh, few weeks of the season but turns it on at the end. So I, I, right now I wouldn't say they would be my number one team in the Eastern Conference of the regular season. I'll go with, I'm going to stick with Milwaukee. Milwaukee's 3-3 three and three right now, but we know that's a, they're a really good regular season team. They've topped the Eastern Conference for the last two years. Mike Budenholzer, their coach, when he was in Atlanta, they were top of the Eastern Conference when LeBron was in the conference. And... I know what you're going to get out of that, a Mike Budenholzer team during the regular season. So Philly's 5-1, and one, they're top of the conference right now. But they're going to have injury problems or chemistry issues. They're going to struggle, especially away from uh, Philadelphia once they play some tougher teams. So when I look across the board, I'm going to go with the team I know is going to p- compete hard in the regular season, and that's a Mike Budenholzer-led, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo also led Bucks team, which... I think the three straight uh, top of the Eastern Conference for the Bucks. Mm. 
Yeah, you know, looking at this Eastern Conference, it's really deceiving. I mean, we're only doing this six or seven games into the season versus at the very beginning. Definitely very deceiving because you mentioned the Sixers at the top at 5-1. and one. And you, you go down the list, and we'll get more into these standings later on in the pod, but like, is some of these teams' records that are in that top eight of the Eastern Conference are not teams you expected to be there. Um, so as much as I like the Bucks pick, I'll try and, uh, try and spice things up and pick another team uh, who I think can at least contend, contend and win uh, this Eastern Conference. And if I have to choose anybody else, it's probably going to be that first team you mentioned. I think Brooklyn has all the pieces to make it to the first uh, first seed in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, it's going to take time for them. But when you look at just raw talent that they have, I think it's Nets and Bucks. I mean, obviously, you're going to be talking about the Celtics. And, I mean, the Sixers aren't a bad team. Uh, and at the same time, the Heat are good, but I don't think the Heat are good enough to be a top seed. And, honestly, at the same time, given... Given the Bucks and Nets, I think the Celtics uh, don't have as large of a chance to make that top seed in the East as well. Uh, but you look at the depth that Brooklyn has, and it's hard to argue. So it's it's kind of just a wait-and-see program over there in Brooklyn, but they definitely have the pieces to put it together. Um, so don't be surprised if you see the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant, who's already having a fantastic start to his season. You know, we talked a lot um, in prior uh, conversations outside the pod and obviously you see a lot of talk on Twitter about whether Kevin Durant would actually be back to normal form and I mean so far you can't really argue with what you've seen now you have to again have to wait and see if that holds but for now good things are coming with the Nets even even after dra- uh, dropping for their last five but again you have to kind of give them a, a bit of the benefit of the doubt and uh, look at that with a grain of salt, given their situation coming into this season. So uh, that'll be the Easter Conference, and we'll obviously talk more about that. But uh, going over to the Western Conference, who do you see topping out in the West? All right, uh, my Western Conference pick, this this is kind of a boring pick, but I'm just going to stick with it. The Lakers, they're topping my, my Western Conference as of right now. They're tied for the, the lead in the conference with Phoenix and I think the Clippers right now. But... When push comes to shove, I think the Clippers are going to rest, you know, Kawhi Leonard and stuff like that. And I just think the Lakers, with Anthony Davis and LeBron, they just, they were the number one seed last year in the West. People didn't think they were going to do it. And they're just cruising. I don't think there's any real championship hangover for them. And the addition of Schroeder, I really like. He's probably, their, he's definitely their third best player. Um, but he's probably a lot better than anyone as their third best player they had last year in my opinion so I think the team only got better so I see no reason if they were last year's number one seed in the west and I just said they got better in the offseason I saw no reason why they wouldn't be number one seed in the west again this year yeah this is definitely another one I think another case of if I had to give my honest answer I'd probably agree but in the interest of this podcast I'm going to try and suggest another team that I would say has a pretty good chance given on paper what they have. And it's not the Clippers. Uh, If you know me, you know that I pledged my allegiance to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And last year, they were able to put together a season that nobody really expected them to have. And that is much large in part due to one player. And his name 
as you're already shaking your head at me. I think you know this where this is going. There's no way this team is being the number one team in the West. Hey, all I'm (laughs) going to tell you is the bias is here. The bias has arrived on the Cool Zone pod. Chris Paul is his name, and the Suns are his game. Let's go, Phoenix Suns. Listen, DeAndre Ayton is already, we've we've already seen proof of his ability to play uh, at a very high level in this league. We just saw Chris Paul take a team of young players in Oklahoma City to a seventh seed. They're starting off so well, and I don't want to read into it too much, but you can't argue with how well they've been playing lately. Their defense has been literally top in the Western Conference. The only team that's been close to as defensively uh, stout as them has been the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, there's some other teams that have also played kind of well. I'm, I'm looking at numbers here, so but that's about it. But, I mean, you, you, five and two so far. You got Chris Paul, DeAndre Eaton, and Devin Booker. I can't believe I did all this Suns talk without even mentioning Devin Booker for like two minutes straight. But, listen, they, they have some interesting pieces together. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a, a Jared Carabas bandwagon fan here. But I am, I am a little biased due to my love for Chris Paul for what he, he gave me last year in a year that I thought would be the first year of the tank. Now we're in the second year of the tank. The real tank. The real tank. <laughs> Don't sleep, though. My guys are two and three. They're only uh, a half game out of the eight spot about a week or two into the season. But for real, uh, I like the Suns pick. I think it's more of a bold pick because I hate the Clippers, and I don't think you'll ever hear me talking um, any good about them uh, without a little disgust in my mouth. But um, Pandemic P, I don't, I don't trust them. I just don't trust them. I was really hoping Devin Booker would have slapped the taste out of his mouth last night. Uh, but for about the eighth time so far in the first nine minutes of this pod, we'll talk about that later. Um, so, yes, I'm going with the Suns at the top of the Western Conference. So, given that, let's talk NBA Finals matchups. Let's talk about who you think is going to be fighting for the NBA Finals trophy this year. Who do you got for me? All right. Um, so, you keep letting me go first. And then I keep giving my like uh, realistic ones, and then you guys, you guys. All right, so do you want me to go first in this one? Go first. Okay, okay. Um, I suppose when push comes to shove, and I'm trying to think a little differently here, but I feel like it it wouldn't make sense if I didn't just pick the two teams that I think are going to make it. Um, I think the Lakers will probably get to the NBA Finals, Um, and I think in the Easter Conference it'll probably be the Nets. I think as long as the Nets. Make the playoffs. I mean, that's. I feel like that's not even a debate. Uh, at, by this point in the season, in the playoffs, they should have figured it out by then. So, I like a Lakers-Nets playoff for the championship. And I think um, in this situation, uh, I have to stick with the Lakers. Uh, everything I've seen from, obviously, Le Bum to Anthony Davis... And now they add in Dennis Schroeder. And again, I'm biased because I love me some Dennis Schroeder. He was a fantastic talent over in OKC. Um, It'll be close. I don't think it's going to be a crazy, like, you know, what the NBA Finals was last year against Miami. But I think uh, this one will still go to L.A. again, making them two-time NBA champions. I think it'll probably go at the very least six games. But I, I would bet more on it being seven. All right. All right. I like that. You know, push comes to shove. That probably would have been gun to the head. That probably would have been my pick too. But uh, I'll I'll take the U approach this time, and I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Nice, nice. I love that. Uh, Let's do it. We got. So I'll go. 
I'll go from the West. I said I like the Lakers, but I'll go. I'll say the other LA team comes out on top this year. Okay. Uh, I'll take the Clippers. Um, Pandemic P. Uh, dare I say I'll probably be dead wrong by this. We'll probably be in like the tenth wave, but will the pandemic be over by the finals in June? You know, with these vaccines rolling out, as some are arguing. So Pandemic P might not have the pandemic to uh, concern him when he's playing basketball anymore. Maybe he's uh, he's elevated his game. I think this year. Uh, I'm trying to pull up his stats here, but my phone's kind of slow. But um, you know, he just signed that massive extension in the off season. That people, like even myself, kind of uh, rolled our eyes at. Um, but, you know, Kawhi Leonard, we know he's legit. <clears throat> That's st- That team's still pretty talented, you know, from top to bottom. And uh, I think, you know, who's to say the Lakers, you know, LeBron's getting up there. It was Is this the year his body finally catches up to him? You know, an injury? And Anthony Davis, off injured in, uh, in New Orleans, had a relatively pretty healthy season last year. Does that injury luck uh, run out either? Because everyone knows that if one of these two guys for the Lakers gets hurt, they're done. They're not winning the finals without LeBron or Anthony Davis. True. Um, so I'll take the Clippers. And then in the East, give me the Celtics. Oh, I, I was waiting. You know, I was waiting to see when somebody would break and start going uh, right over the line. And start giving off that incredible Celtics bias, and I, and obviously, given the two of us on this pod, I figured obviously it would be you. So I was just, all right, all right. we're we're, we're thirteen minutes into the podcast, okay. and that's all okay. it took. I'll change. I'll change. I'll <laughs> no, listen, no, if no. you really think this is possible, then, no. then go ahead. I'll go. Well, we'll talk plenty on the Celtics this pod, and I'll probably tell you why I think they made the finals. But for this prediction, I'll change it. I'll go with. Philadelphia. That's the most disgusting thing I've heard so far. Look, Philadelphia, I really like what they did in the offseason. They uh, they moved out that Al Horford wasn't a fit, his horrific contract. They moved him off to a tanking team. Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, City legend Al Horford. And uh, their space in the floor, I like what they're doing. They start Seth Curry now. Uh, Tobias Harris has been really improved. He just won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Joel Embiid's still doing his thing. Uh, really good as long as he can stay healthy. But what they did by adding Seth Curry, uh, they traded for Danny Green. I really like that because they have their player that controls the ball, Ben Simmons, cannot shoot. Mm-hmm. So he he needs elite, elite wings on the outside so he can face one-on-one. Because if he's bringing... If, you're playing people on the wings that aren't are inconsistent three point shooters. Then Ben Simmons is gonna get balled up because he's gonna drive into the the lane. There, everyone's gonna crash on him. And he's gonna have three or four guys on him. He's gonna kick out. And it's gonna be bricks. But guys like Danny Green and Seth Curry, these are guys that are gonna shoot, you know, upwards of 42 percent from three on a high quality of uh, volume on threes. I really like that. It's it's kind of like the what the Bucks did with Giannis. They just surrounded him with shooters. And you saw what that did uh, in the regular season the last two years I've mentioned previously. But I think the difference between the Bucks and the Sixers is that, yes, they have that really good player that drives and kicks out the shooters, but the Bucks don't have a Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid, <clears throat> yeah. he's fat. He's a slob. <laughs> he's kind you of... fat, greasy, job of the hut. He quit in the bubble against the Celtics last year. But I don't care. If this guy can actually get his head on straight, 
And they brought in Doc Rivers, who I don't like, actually, as a coach when it comes to X's and O's, but he's a player's guy. He was a player in the league. You know, he's got a similar background to a lot of these players compared to, you know, a Brett Brown like they had in there before. And I think that matters in a league like the NBA. And I think if anyone's going to be able to get the most out of Joel Embiid on the court effort-wise, I think that would be Doc Rivers. So if he takes that next leap, these shooters surrounded by Ben Simmons, you know, I, they're very talented. I think if they put it all together, don't be surprised if they come out of the East, especially if they keep up this tour start they've had as the one seed. Because in the NBA, home court matters so much. Especially for the Sixers, who, if people remember last year, was like, I think they were like NBA best at home, like 26-2. and two, And then on the road, they were like 10 and, or like 6-18. and 18 or, It was awful, their splits. Uh, so, Sixers, one seed, if they have home court, I like them coming out of the East. So... Uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll back you up here because I, pull, I pulled up some numbers for you to help support some of your points. So you mentioned Seth Curry, and I really liked that ad for them. And he is starting off the season surprisingly yeah, I, I well. I have his stats pulled up here. He's yeah, averaging 16.2 points a game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's uh, obtainable for Seth Curry. I think that will come down. But the thing is, is that his threat from three, even if his points per game come down, his dead eyeness, his lethal ability from three will not. Mm-hmm. Same with Shake Milton, who's really good at shooting. Same with Danny Green. And f- same with uh, Ferdinand Korkmaz, who cooks the Celtics every time they play. Three of those four guys really struggling right now. But you figure at some point yes. they'll all kind of even out to where yes. they should be. Yeah. And I just I just really like the... I like surrounding a non-shooter with a bunch of shooters because then it opens up the lane, the drives and kicks. You mentioned non-shooter, and I know you probably can see it on your screen right now, but Ben Simmons, he's 100% from three. One of one. He has a, uh, yeah. I. Hey, listen, if, if, if he keeps this kind of, you know, takes him when he really thinks he can make him, you can't leave him open anymore. <laughs> Look, let me say this, okay? Ben Simmons... I think it's all in his head because when I watch him shoot, his form actually looks pretty smooth. I yeah, I will say this year and like recently better. But when he was first shooting and then even a couple years into that whole like project of his like technique, you know, kind of like Lonzo Ball scene. Yeah. Bad. I mean, he is he is still shooting 61% from the free throw line this year. Yeah, I feel like uh, that is uh, free throw shooting right around his career average of sixty percent. So like, I don't think that like the shooting isn't gonna like Ben Simmons is not gonna go out and be an average. He's not yeah. even gonna be a below average shooter. But like, if he's just the threat for him to take and make a three, like a, I would compare him to like a, a big man, like a mm-hmm. like. Like a stretch four almost? Or no, but like, like like someone that you don't really expect to take a three. Yeah. Like Enos Cantor. Okay. Like you don't expect Enos Cantor to make a three. If you remember back to the playoffs last year when they played the Sixers, I think it was game two, Enos Cantor splashed that three. And, uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's how I feel every time Daniel Thies gets the ball wide open to the three-point line. I never expect him to make it. Yeah. So like it's just so stunning when he actually takes the shot and makes a shot that it can like – it disrupts your team. So – Bismack Biombo scene. I don't think that 
Ben Simmons obviously isn't going to ever be a, like a good shooter, but yeah, I, the free throw shooting is one of those things that's just if, if you're bad at it, you're bad. Yeah. At it. it's but really hey, hard to get. Even, a lot even LeBron isn't that good of a free throw right, shooter. and he he hasn't changed one no. bit. But I just they have a lot of talent. I mean, I liked them last year too, and they really underachieved. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think that I like the changeup. As I said, their roster you. I think you have addition by subtraction here. I mean, Seth Curry and Danny Green for Al Horford, honestly, at this point, the way the Sixers are constructed, I think that's a big win for them. Yeah, you know, the kind of dynamic between just getting a little smaller, playing a little more small ball, and getting guys that can give you shots when you need them. So, hey, listen, we'll see what happens. I don't necessarily hate it. Uh, Okay, so with that being said, before we get into our uh, Celtics talk, we have to round up some uh, award predictions. Um, I think one of the the easier awards, so I I think that's the one we'll start off with, is uh, the sixth man of the year. Um, I I think the consensus pick is probably Karis LeVert. Um, I feel like he's probably in the best situation to do it, and if you agree, we can kind of just kind of move forward through this. Uh, Yeah, either him or uh, Montrose Harrell. Again, he could have gone back to back. Yeah, that's also true. Um, kind of ridiculous that he doesn't. Uh, it will be interesting to see. However, I mean, Dinwiddie's out. Right. I don't know if they're. It looks like they've moved um, Luano Cabaret into the starting lineup, judged on these games played here. Mm-hmm. But it will be interesting to see if someone else gets hurt if Levert gets moved into the starting lineup. Um, and originally, I thought that D'Angelo Russell, the first game for the Timberwolves came off the bench and I was when I was looking through the box I was like if he's coming off the bench for the Timberwolves I mean he's he's got a real shot to win six man of the year but he's started every game since so yeah I would agree Karis LeVert is my pick right now um I don't think it's a you can't you make any predictions really for six man because people can get hurt and people can then start but yeah I agree with you Karis LeVert yeah okay um so let's go over to most improved player uh, this is kind of a, a a tough award to get a feel for, um, because there's there's so many guys that can make um, a decent sized leap in this league. But selfishly, because I own him in a fantasy league, Govern. okay. <laughs> um, because of that, I I really like the prospects of Christian Wood. Um, being in a role that fits him so well in Houston, where Clint Capella is gone now, he's in Atlanta, and now basically that's that is Christian Wood's position, and he can he can reach the stars at this spot, uh, and he's already proving it so far. You know he, he's number two in the league in blocks per game at two point three. Uh, I know we're early still, but uh, he's playing pretty well all around. So I like Christian Wood to win the the most improved player award. Uh, what do you have at that exact spot? Okay. Uh, I like that Christian Wood pick. I also, as a Celtics fan, people are going to be barking for Jalen Brown <laughs> as he's playing right now. I don't hate that pick. Me neither. But I find that the most improved player tends to go to a player that has really obviously improved a lot, but is also on a good overachieving team as well. It's like a most improved player on almost like a most improved team, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. So, I am going actually this year, so far, it's early. Now, his stats will probably come down, but I'm going with Colin Sexton for the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
I do also govern this guy in fantasy, so I've seen what he's doing on a on a day to day basis. But the Cavs are four and two. They beat some playoff teams uh, this season. If they can hang around, you know, a bottom a, a bottom team in the NBA, him and uh, you know Andre Jones playing okay, Larry Nance playing okay, but Sexton has upped his. Uh, he's averaging twenty six points per game. Uh, He's shooting 55% from three. That will come down. But he's a career 40% shooter from three. So who's to say he can't shoot 45% this year from three? This is that year three leap. And especially if the Cavs overachieve and make a seven or eight seed, and you got a guy like Colin Sexton averaging 26, 27 points a game, I think you could see him make it, win it most improved. You know, I was looking at his numbers the other day because I saw what he was posting in some of these recent games. And I thought he was a point guard. Did he come into the NBA as a point guard? He was thought of as a point. He is only six one. Right. He, so I'm looking at these guys' stats, and I'm looking at his such low amount of assists yes. for a point guard, and I was like, "There's no way this guy's I, point guard." Darius Garland is their Dari- main ball handler. I saw. I was like, "Darius." They just drafted this guy. Yeah. Like Darius Garland comes in right away to play the point. Because I was like, "There's no way Sexton is playing point guard if he's dropping 25 a game." And having less than four assists. Yeah, so, he's, I mean, a, he's a below average size off-ball guard. What I would compare him to is like a C.J. McCollum. Yeah, that's how I that's would fair. That's how I would like see I like that. Um, but, you know, if you tell me the Cavs... No one really thought the Cavs were making the playoffs this year. So if you're mm-hmm. telling me the Cavs are the 7 or 6 seed in the East and they got this third-year guy averaging, you know, 26, 27 points a game, tell me why he couldn't win most improved. Yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely not going to argue against that. Uh, let's move on. Let's do Coach of the Year. So I am going to stay true to what I said earlier in this podcast, and I think if this team can play as well as I projected they might, then I think this should almost be a no-brainer. I'm going to say Monty Williams. If the Suns can top out that Western Conference, I feel like you have to give Monty Williams. So I'm going to stick with my prediction. I'm going to stick with what I like from the Phoenix Suns and say that they make it to the top. A little bold pick, and that Monty Williams takes on that Coach of the Year award. All right, I'm going to stick on that same energy with you. So I'm going to go with, as I mentioned earlier, I don't like this guy as a coach, but I know people in the NBA love uh, They really like him as a coach, and if he can get this team to turn around after their abysmal showing in the bubble last year, Doc Rivers and the 76ers, if they're tops of the Eastern Conference, and Joel Embiid has a monster year, and Tobias Harris, and Ben Simmons, who there's been talks that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't really like each other, uh, in previous years, if they can work all that out and get the one seed in the East as they are right now, I see no reason why uh, Doc Rivers wouldn't be coach of the year. All right. Okay. Um, let's do a little serpentine. Let's go to let's go to rookie of the year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you to this one, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I can't make up my mind. But uh, who do you think is going to take home the rookie of the year award? Uh, I don't like this player. Like I. But I'm I'm just gonna go with I'm gonna go with Anthony Edwards. Mm. He's averaging fourteen two and two. He's playing on a bad team, but this rookie class so far, it kind of looks weak. I mean, Peyton Pritchard is like the third best rookie. I was looking at uh, some stats the other day. <clears throat> I don't hate the James Wiseman pick. I can I actually kind of like the James Wiseman pick if that's what you were to go with. But that's what I'm leaning toward. I think. I'm going to go Anthony Edwards because the Timberwolves are going to be bad again. This guy's going to get a bunch of minutes, 
And I think the Warriors might actually kind of be good this year, so I think Wiseman might not play as much uh, as Anthony Edwards. And I just think that Rookie of the Year, it's all about stats. Like, I trashed Michael Carter-Williams won Rookie of the Year on an awful 76ers team because he just played the most minutes and he got the most stats, and that's just the case. Rookies on bad teams tend to win Rookies of the Year because rookies on good teams just don't play as much. All right, well, sharing that same energy, if we're going to keep this up with talking about bad teams getting uh, getting their players some awards, how about LaMelo Ball then? Charlotte stinks. I feel like that fits the bill. And, I mean, uh, I'm looking at a very random website's rankings, and they have LaMelo Ball first. And, I mean, listen, uh, so far, um, 11.5 points. Hey. That's not terrible. Now, listen. I think the I think the right and the proper pick is probably James Wiseman, if you, if you ask me. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put down my pick on paper for when we look back at this later as Lamelo Ball. I think he definitely has the tools to do it. He's a little raw of a talent, but um, I think at least the situation that he's in, uh, based off everything you just said, probably leans to Lamelo Ball's favor. So I'm That's gonna fair. stick with that pick. Um, so let's go over to, let's see what we got. MVP left and then Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Defensive Player of the Year, I, I really I really never know with this one because it seems like to be, the, you know, the same same group of Johns like every year. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about like Rudy Gobert and like uh, Anthony Davis used to get it a bunch. Or, uh, did Giannis got it last year, right? Um. I don't really see, like, and I I hate to do it this way, but I really don't see, like, the voters really changing their thought process so much. And especially now that Rudy Gobert got $200 million, and I'm going to complain about that constantly because that's one of the dumbest contracts that I've ever seen. I wouldn't be surprised if Gobert had, like, a decent year and they just gave him the Defensive Player of the Year. So I'm going to give him a pity Defensive Player of the Year award. That's just how much I hate him, so I'm going to give him an award for it. All right, fair, fair. All right, I'm going to go on those same lines. I think that the Defensive Player of the Year, which I actually think Defensive Player of the Year, if uh, if you don't mind me crossing over sports, is okay. like a gold glove in baseball. Yeah. Like, they don't give, like, the actual best fielders in baseball tend not to get the gold glove because you got to have, like, off- like, flashy offensive stats to go with it. That's why, like... Nolan Arenado gets the gold glove every single year. Like, he's really good at defense, but, like, he's just a household name, and they give it to him. Like, they used to give it to Adam Jones a bunch, and I don't really like Jackie Bradley Jr. as a player, but, like, he deserves some gold gloves, but because his offense was so terrible, they didn't give it to him. It's like a popularity contest. Yes. You're not going to give it to, like, the nerdy kid at the nerd table. You're going to give it to one of the big studs at school. So, like, I I view the NBA's uh, Defensive Player of the Year also like that. Like, you can't just be the best defender. You have to be... The a really one of the top defenders, but also be good on offense mm-hmm. to win defense, which I don't think should be true. But so for that reason, I'm gonna go with Kawhi Leonard, just because, like you said, I think there will be a little voters fatigue for uh, Rudy Gobert this year. But I think the Clippers are gonna finish high in the West, and it's just gonna be people gonna be like, oh my god, Kawhi Leonard, he's he's still got it, mm-hmm. and they're and even if he's not the best defender in the league, he'll uh, he'll get the Defensive Player of the Year. I yeah. think stars stars win defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean everything you just said, I I, I would definitely back that. Um, I guess I'm more so just 
I'm just more miserable about this next award because the next award is MVP. And I I hate Giannis so much. Like, And I didn't realize it at first how much I dislike him. But him playing basketball just... The, like, whenever I watch him play basketball, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think about this quote back from what the All-Star game, I think, uh, a year or two ago, when, like, Harden and Giannis were feuding uh, because Giannis, he picked, like, Kemba for his team over James Harden. He was like, oh, I want somebody that's going to pass me the ball. And James Harden, like, I, he, I remember he was in an interview and he was like, well, I mean... Not all of us can just be seven feet tall. You know, you actually have to have some skills. And when I watch Giannis, I don't see skills. Okay, I see a big man that is just learning how to shoot the ball. And he doesn't shoot it that like that pleasantly. And I'm talking about for the eyes and for the numbers. And the listen, when it comes to MVP, the boring pick is going to be Giannis. Just because he's a stat patter. He's a Russell Westbrook guy. You know what I mean? And I, I don't want to pick him. But, like, you know what? No, no, screw it, screw it. I'm not picking him. I'm not going to do it. Because I feel like at some point, has he won two years in a row now, right? Voter fatigue. Voter fatigue has to come in. And if you ask me, most valuable player means if you take the guy off the team, like, who, like, what player is most valuable? Like, and I feel like a lot of times that award doesn't really get rewarded to its like to the actual meaning of the award. So I'm going to be kind of a loser in that regard and say that LeBron James should win MVP. Because I I mean listen, if you think about it, if voter fatigue wasn't a thing, LeBron James probably should have won MVP every single freaking year. You know what I mean? Um but I think uh you know, I think it's about time they give him an MVP again. As long as he plays enough games and he plays at that normal LeBron level, even if it's not Miami Heat LeBron, I still feel like he's an MVP candidate in this league, especially last year, how well he played. So I'm going to go with LeBum. All right. So I also agree with you on the fact that the MVP tends to go to someone that, like, if you take them off their team besides, like, LeBron, their team would still be, like, kind of good. Like, Giannis, like, I think the Bucks would still be kind of good if Giannis wasn't on their team. But also in the same breath, I know, I remember when Russell Westbrook won MVP a couple years ago. That was like the first player in like 20 years or something that won the MVP that wasn't on a team that was top one or two in the East or the West. So the MVP always comes from one of the top teams in the league. It's just going to be the best player on one of the top teams, which is why I like your LeBron pick. But I think LeBron rests a little bit this year, and I'm actually going to go with his teammate and just say Anthony Davis wins MVP this year because I I think the voter fatigue... Andy Davis, he's never won MVP, I'm pretty sure. No. Uh, I think LeBron, he's 35 or 30. I think he's 35 now. Uh, I think he wrestled, but down the stretch, if the Lakers are still the one seed, like I think they will be. Andy Davis got my, uh, he'll be my pick right now. I, I really like, you know, like if I thought it was like actual, like dark horse picks, I would pick um, like Trey Young. I thought Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic was like a trendy pick for MVP this year, but he's kind of, he's hurt now, and he, he's, he hasn't been as good as people thought, I don't think, to start this year. Uh, I really like what Trey Young's doing, and I think Atlanta's actually pretty good. 
like their their roster wise. They they added they had a good offseason. They had like Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, like Rondo, Chris Dunn. So like <laughs> big Chris Dunn fans yeah. at the cool zone. And I think like John Collins is like a is also another potential like most improved player type. For sure. Um so I really I like the Trey Young as like a dark horse, but like I said, I don't see Atlanta as a top one or two team in the Eastern Conference, or the and then the award goes to one of the best players on one of the best teams. It's that's how it's always been. That's how it always will be. So I'll go Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean you're definitely right. You really have to have kind of like a, a groundbreaking, history shattering season. Average a triple double. <laughs> yeah, I mean if we're gonna if we're gonna say it, we might as well just say it loud and proud. You literally have to average. You have to be Oscar Robertson in order to get that MVP award if you are not the top seed in your conference. All right, so that'll do it for our awards. Let's uh, let's hope that maybe some of our bold picks, well, a couple hot takes, maybe they come to fruition. Probably Who knows? not. Probably not. Um, I, the Suns at the top of the Western Conference, probably not going to happen. But hey, you know, we can, a boy can dream. All right, so let's get into what the people actually might have actually come to care about in this podcast, and that's the Celtics talk. So you being the resident Celtics fan on this podcast, technically, and I, I to this day, I will beef with people who think that, like, I am not allowed to be a Celtics fan just because I claimed, like, I watched, like, OKC more. Like... That the where is the love? Where's the love? A lot of hate. Lot lot of hate these days. A lot of hate uh surrounding my fandom in this league. But nonetheless. So let's talk about the Celtics. So I, I guess what I'm gonna ask you to give me is almost like a progress report, uh, so to speak. Uh just kind of like a, a general progress report. I'll give him a grade. Okay, that, that even better. Give him a grade and explanation right. and then we can just so, talk about it. Through seven games. I will give them a C plus or a B minus. You can you can take whichever grade you want. If you would rather have the B plus because it helps your GPA, you can take that. If you rather have the C plus, it's a little bit above satisfactory, which is C. How progressive of you? Uh, but so positives. Jalen Brown is breaking out. He is borderline all-NBA talent the way he's playing through the first seven games. He just dropped 40-plus points in uh, three quarters against an awful Grizzlies team. Uh, Tatum, people said, everyone knows I'm a Tatum stan. I'll die for the guy. Yeah, so I sh- I, before you keep going, I think we should lay the groundwork. This is The Cool Zone pod is generally going to be a Tatum versus Jalen Brown conversation. <laughs> Uh, because he's a Tatum guy and I'm a Brown guy. I'm still a Brown guy. I like Jalen Brown. But like, <laughs> Jalen Brown is is okay, been yeah. better than Jason Tatum this year. I think that's not arguable. No. Um, but I he's my guy, and I think he's the the leader that this team needs. But Jason Tatum, he his struggles of getting to the free throw line and finishing around the rim are still there. I don't really think he's improved on that which I would have kind of liked to see in the offseason. But 12 assists yesterday, career high. The haters said Jason Tatum couldn't pass. They said he was uh, a ball hog. They said, you know, he was a Kobe when the ball gets to him, the offense stops. Uh, You saw this in the bubble where he he was averaging like five assists in the Eastern Conference Finals. He almost put up a triple-double in a few games in the bubble. He almost put a triple-double yesterday. He just missed it in the rebounds. Uh... Jason Tatum as a passer is here. I think he's here to stay. 
He's not going to average 10, 10 assists a game, but he's not going to average two or three. I think you have a four <coughs> to six assists per game, Jason Tatum, which is the next step to being elite, being up there with Kevin Durant, you know, Kawhi Leonard, these guys that play the same position, which I think like is his ceiling, and that's like their stat line. They're like the 27, 8, or 9, and 5 guys. That's what they are. And that's what I think Tatum is his ceiling. You know, the way you were talking, I thought you were almost going to be trending towards Magic Johnson territory. No. The way you're talking about no. him as he's a not passer. Be, he's, not, he's just not going to be a point guard. <laughs> like Magic he's Johnson not, with a three-point no. shot and a terrible taste in late-game shot selection. He's not going to be... He's not a point guard. He'll never be a point guard. Never. Just because Luka Doncic and Giannis are like the same height as Jason Tatum doesn't, and LeBron are the same height as Jason Tatum doesn't mean that that's just not the type of players. His... The type of player he is is like, it really is like Kevin Durant. Like I, people roll their eyes when I say that Tatum and Durant are comparable, but like they play the game a similar way. They're similar players. Long, lanky. Kevin Durant's a little bit taller. Obviously, Kevin Durant's a little bit better right now. But like I, that's what Tatum's like ceiling is to me. The twenty-eight, eight and five. That's that's what he is, and I think. He's already got the points. He's getting there with the points. He's there with the rebounds. I he'll, The rebounds are there. It was the passing that you needed to see come for him to take this next step to being really, really elite uh, from all-star to from a consistent all-star to a consistent all-NBA player, like Hall of Fame type player. And I think he's slowly getting there. But the Jays are playing well. Marcus Smart actually well, kind of... Before you get into Marcus Smart, I did want to ask you one last thing about about Jalen and Jason. Um, which one of the two needs to have the better season than the other for this Celtics team to have the best possible season? Which would be winning a ring. If they're going to win a ring, who needs to be the better player on this team if you have to put them at a one and two? So, like, does Jalen Brown need to have the better season for this team to have more success? Or does Tatum need to be that guy? I mean, my, my heart and my head both say Tatum. Okay. But, like, I really think that they could they could make noise with either of them playing out of their mind. I don't, like, I agree. this isn't, yeah. like... And you look at, like, the great teams, they need two, like, two studs. Like, mm-hmm. obviously people only think of Michael Jordan, but Scottie Pippen, like, he is one of the best players ever. Yeah. Like, and he just, it's just because he played against, my, played next to Michael Jordan. But, like, LeBron and Wade, like, LeBron the narrative. and AD right now. The narrative would have been so different about Scottie Pippen yeah. had he been on his own He'd be team. like a top, he'd be a borderline, like, top ten player. People would have been like, oh, my God, Scottie Pippen, that guy was, like, really good at basketball, yeah. you know? But it'd now be, it's just like, oh, my God, he was just Jordan's wingman. Yeah. And, like, there's some people who see through the lines and, you know, the blurred lines and all that. But, like, in general, the, the wide variety of the narrative of Scottie Pippen is just sidekick yeah. and I think that's you know it's a bit disrespectful. Yes, I agree. But uh to answer your question, I don't I don't think I have like a definitive answer. Yeah. I think that they can basketball's a sport where like if your best it doesn't really matter who your best player is. If if they're showing up night in and night out, then you can win. Hashtag stumped. Yeah. First stump and of the because year. both of them are are um wing players and it's a wing player league now. You True. Do, you don't see uh, point guards. I mean, Steph Curry, the Warriors, yes, they won a championship, but the other championship the Warriors won, Kevin Durant was the best player on their team. Sure. Then LeBron was the best players on his team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard was the best player when the Spurs won. Before then, Mavericks, Dirk. It's point guards. 
if your best player on your team is a point guard, the odds are in the NBA is that unless they're Steph Curry and they have one unbelievable historic all-time season, and then you go up in the finals against the teams whose best players, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, are hurt, then you're probably not going to win the championship. Well, the logic probably surrounds ball movement. If your best scorer is the guy who's bringing the ball up the court, I think you have a problem. Because you know what you're going to get? You're going to get the Russell Westbrook disease. Yeah, He brings up the ball. The ball is not getting moved around. The defense doesn't have to work. One guy defends Westbrook, and then you you know, you know, play your, your chances at yeah. covering Westbrook, I mean, hoping he misses shots, and his field goal percentage is not that good. Brown isn't as good as big as Tatum, which is why I would lean like Tatum is more important, mm-hmm. because you, and Tatum's handle is better than Brown's. Brown's handle is has always been a bit of a struggle for him. He's improved on it, but Tatum's handle and his, his moves, just pure moves, I, I think are deeper than Brown's. So I lean Tatum, but Brown has been really good this year. Let me tell you one thing about Jalen Brown that bothers me. I, I, I love Jalen Brown, the player he's become, but let me tell you, and, and it happens, I swear it happens at least once a game. I have never in my life seen an NBA player just flat out not be able to defend a crossover as often as Jalen Brown. Like a simple right-to-left or left-to-right crossover. Every time somebody does it to Jalen Brown, he bites and goes he goes the entire direction. You know what the funny thing is about that? Is that... Outside of that, Jalen Brown actually is kind of a good defender. Right, yeah. It, no, 100%, I agree. He's been very, he's always been pretty good as a defender. He's athletic, he's pretty strong. He came strong. into the league as a defense first guy. Exactly, like it was never about his offense. The fact that he's scoring as many points and he's been able to work on his jump shot, hit the three, he loves to corner three, and then he's been able to work on his mid-range shot has been the surprise of anything to, you know, scouts you know looking at him coming into the league. But man, I see him get crossed up. So many times that, you know, it makes a former high school stud like myself almost have to put out the words that uh, I could cross up Jalen Brown. I might be more confident in crossing up Jalen Brown than I am Jason Tatum. All right. And that's a quote. You can you can quote that on it there. It will be but here. It will be here. All right, let me, can I, unless you have something to say, no. I also have a gripe with Jalen Brown. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Okay. The Celtics. And this is why I also lean Tatum if I had to for your question. Okay. I don't like Jason Tatum's crunch time shot selection. Although his shot selection yesterday against the Pistons that was, was good. That was good. That's that, the shot you want. Yes. He that. needs to they need to draw plays. Whatever Brad drew up that play, and he was drawing up a play because it showed the camera of all the X's and O's. So he yeah. confirmed not Scott Brooks actually drew up a play. Yeah. That's the shot they need to draw up for him. Not these stupid, okay, so we're going we're gonna to do some, a lot of disguise and these, then just let Tatum do whatever he wants. No, you tell him to go take a mid-range shot. That's the one he these hits. tie games or down by one when you take a three makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't hate, like, the if you're down two and you take a three for the win, that's one thing. Like, yeah. I, don't really hate, I don't really hate that play. You don't want to go to overtime. You don't want to play another five minutes. That's fine. But the down two, down one, down zero, or tied, three, I hate. It's not just Tatum that does it, but he's been doing it a lot. But at least Tatum's taking the shot. Jalen Brown, they gave him a look against Detroit on Friday night. But normally, if you watch the Celtics, 
the two players that are taking shots, well, I guess the three players when Kemba comes back, that are taking shots down the stretch are Tatum, Kemba when he's healthy, and Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, this guy, he still does it. He tends to disappear in the fourth quarter. He's a he always comes out strong in the first half. Uh, yep. And he, he's sometimes good in the second half too. But like down the stretch, he tends to disappear relative to the other players on the court. He goes and he sits in the corner because they don't trust his handle enough to run the offense. So he has to play off ball, whereas Tatum and Marcus Smart play with the ball. And then he just kind of sits in the corner, and they give him the ball sometimes. But, I mean, I don't have the stats. I don't know if I could find the stats. But, like, over the last year, I bet you, if I was to say the Celtics, in the last five minutes of games under 10 points, who's taking the most shots? I bet the order would go Tatum, Kemba, Smart. Jalen Brown would definitely be fourth at best. I don't know if you agree with that. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, as far as that list, yeah. And, and it is very unfortunate. And the funny thing about Jalen Brown's handles is you see him, he turns the ball over, again, at least once or twice a game, like, in transition. Because the ball, he like he, I don't know if he just puts the ball too out far in front of him, or if he really just tries to be too fancy with his side-to-side movement with the dribble. But, man, it is, it's greasy to watch when it happens. Uh, but I definitely think he. Sh- I don't know if it, I. I would like to think it's not a confidence issue, but like I don't know what else could be the reason for him kind of just backing off. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he knows that like. Maybe he thinks that Tatum's the guy who he wants taking the shot. Maybe I. I, I don't know. I don't really have a great answer for why that is what the way it is, but. Um, yeah, I'd like I, to think that he probably wants the ball to be in Tatum's hands. That's yeah. the only explanation. I don't have a problem with Tatum taking the last shot. Oh, me neither. But it's like, it's when they get under two minutes, and then they go like a Tatum three, then it's like a smart three. Like, I would much rather have Jalen Brown with the ball taking a mid-range than a smart taking a three. Or drive. Yeah. Brown's so strong, he can get to the rim, maybe create some contact, you yeah. know what I mean? Get Although to the line. That, maybe they are concerned about his free throw struggles as well down the stretch. That's a possibility. That's also, that's also true. But I mean, Tatum is not light years better. I mean, no. he's a one-for-two kind of guy these days. <laughs> yeah, although he shoots 80% somehow from the line. Yeah, I think they are dark <laughs> in his stats, man. They're, I don't know how that is possible for the amount of times that we see him going one-for-two yeah. from the line. But... Regardless, let's. Uh, I know you were transitioning, so let's talk about the Dan Greenberg fanboys' uh, captain, Marcus Smart. What were you about? To, what were you going to well, say on Marcus Smart's Smart? Smart's shot selection this year actually has been pretty good. Um, he's still giving you his good defense. Mm-hmm. His assists are up. His mm-hmm. points are up, and his three-point percentage is up. Uh, and his bad looks are down from the eyeball test. Uh, he still takes heat checks. He took a heat check. He hit two back-to-back threes in the Grizzlies game. Yeah. And then he came up and hucked one off the backboard. Back actually yep. screamed <laughs> way off. I, I don't know if you were watching the game when he did that. But on Wait, the run, he screamed it? you could hear it. You could hear it through the TV because they don't have any fans. Right. And he screamed, that's way off. I as the ball even... was still in the air. I didn't and, even notice and that. And Scal caught it and he was like, you heard, uh, that's way off for Marcus Smart there. <laughs> so he still does that. Yeah, but his shot selection has been better. I would I would give all three of them 
I if I was to grade them, I would give Tatum a A minus. I'll give Jalen Brown an A plus. He's been their best player this year and so much improved. I give Marcus Smart a B as That's well. That's a fair grade. Now I think he's done a good job of limiting. I hate when he takes those like he he'll like drive by somebody and he just sees like floaters from like the. There's still line. the t- Marcus Smart is still a player where I sh- where he shoots the ball like in a close game down the stretch and you go like no. Like, yeah. don't shoot. But I don't think that'll ever change. No, probably won't. He's probably he's even if he gets consistent, he's probably, he's been in the league too long for people to change their mind yeah. on him down the stretch. Uh, but those three have been good. Uh, another good player, Tristan Thompson. He's been pretty good. That was another thing I wanted to talk about. The two guys that they brought in in the offseason, Jeff yeah. Teague and Tristan Thompson. Jeff Teague, he's hit or miss. He's actually hurt tonight. He's not playing mm. on second night of a back-to-back. But Monday night, this is. I think that he's been okay. If like I'm, I guess I'm just giving out grades. So I'll give Tristan Thompson a B plus too. I think he does what the team asks for him. I'll give Jeff Teague a B because he's been pretty good. He was really good on opening night against Milwaukee. He's one of the only reasons he won that game. Uh, but then he got really cold, mm-hmm. and now he's kind of been better the last couple of games. Uh, so he's kind of hit or miss. But he's certainly an upgrade over. The last few years when you had um, Shane Larkin and then Brad Wanamaker as your backup point. Hey, listen. Be careful how you speak about Brad Wanamaker. Oh, yeah. Brad Wanamaker <laughs> was not as bad as people painted him out to be. All right. That is just my opinion. And then the only other player I will I have positive remarks for so far this season is uh, Peyton Pritchard. And I guess I'll throw... Time Lord, he's Robert Williams. He's incomplete. But Peyton Pritchard looks like he can play in the NBA. He's He was getting crunch time minutes. Uh, he was one of the only reasons they came back into Indiana the second time they played. And then when they beat Memphis in a blowout, he was sitting on the bench uh, down the stretch in the fourth quarter because apparently he was so good that he doesn't. he's already out of the rotation when they go to garbage time minutes because he's important like that. So... I'll give those two. I'll give Pritchard a B plus for where he's drafted, and I'll give Time Lord a B. But after that, Tice, I don't care that people in Twitter and on the chat cry about how he gets the whistle. The dude commits so many fouls. I don't care that and, and the, more, there's like, a reason why the refs whistle him for so many fouls. Yes, maybe some of them are questionable calls, but he has the reputation because he freaking fouls all <laughs> the time. He's a walking foul. He comes in. It's like anyone driving him, he's slams his hands down on him he has not been good he was really good in the bubble especially in the toronto series he was really good so much that green teamers like the dan greamers of the world were saying him and bam were a wash in the eastern conference finals in his blog don't get me started on that but tice i don't even think he should be starting anymore he's he has not been that good his offense has his his shots he's not hitting as many shots he's missing bunnies like I just don't think he's been that good this year. Let me tell you, I hate this starting lineup that includes both <laughs> Theus and Thompson. Hate it. It's awful. Theus is not a stretch four, okay? I understand he can shoot, but he can't play on the perimeter. No. He's clumsy with his body. He's not fast enough to stay up with guys on the Absolutely perimeter Absolutely not. Either. And if anybody plays small ball against him, he's toast. Yeah, and he's just going to foul. He's a Even like foul. a Draymond Green is going to make him look silly. Yeah. 
Like it's ridiculous. Like they, and, I don't know, I don't know how they keep rolling out that lineup. And then the, I'll just clump all these the, these two together. They're the same person to me. Uh, Semi Ojale and Grant Williams are the same player. Semi actually played kind of good yesterday, but Grant Williams was really good in the bubble though. Yeah, but Grant Williams has been bad this year. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the reasons you lost, actually, on, on Friday night, because he had two open threes down the stretch. He bricked both of them. Uh, and Semi, they are what they are. They give you 20 minutes a night, and they're pretty below. They're, like, average at best. Well, listen, we know why the Celtics have Shemi Ojale. Yes, he is the Giannis stopper. The Giannis stopper. But, like, I know what I'm getting from them. And I would have liked, especially from Grant, he's in year two. Semi's in year four. But they are what they are. And it doesn't look like they're getting any better. So they're, they're C's at best for me. Um, who else can I, who else does I actually throw in the rotation there? Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters are trash. They're garbage. They're, they don't belong on an NBA roster. I know you hate Carson Edwards. He's trash. And Tremont Waters doesn't even deserve to play. Carson Edwards is so frustrating because, like, everybody watched him light up, like the light up in March Madness, and play so well. And then Celtics drafted him, and everybody was so damn excited about him. And he's just constantly, consistently come in, supposed to be a shooter, an undersized shooter, and all he does is throw up bricks. The only shots he ever makes are preseason. That, that's it, actually. I don't think there's any other times he actually hits shots. Because anytime he comes into the game in garbage time, it's brick, 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 brick. He gets actual minutes because Brad gives him pity minutes to try and see if maybe puts it a brick, 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 brick. And, and let me tell you this. Now I'm getting to the guy on the team. That's an F. We're getting nice, close, and personal he's, for this one. He's an F. And I don't care if people tell me, like little Mike, if you ever listen to this, you probably won't, that he needs time. I, I'm so close. I, You can tell me, you can play this back in three years if I'm dead wrong. We will. But I am so close to being done on Aaron Neesmith. Like, I don't even know if he can play in the NBA. Like... He played garbage time against the Grizzlies, the blowout. Two of seven. One of five from three. He's supposed to be the best shooter in the draft. This is the classic guy. I think he's all in his head. Peyton Pritchard, 26 pick, comes in right away and can play. So thank God they actually got something out of the draft. Because this lottery pick that Danny Ainge, once again, refused to trade his lottery picks for anything, like at the deadline, probably could have traded that pick for Davis Bertaz or someone last deadline to help you. Could have helped you in a bubble when you couldn't, couldn't shoot. And you spend it on Aaron Neesmith, who's supposed to be the best shooter in the draft. I understand he can't defend, okay? He can't defend. You didn't draft him to defend. You drafted him to shoot. And he can't shoot. When I saw, when they played Detroit Pistons on Friday, and Brad went to the bench when they were down, and they needed some instant offense, and who did he go to? He did not go to the scorer that they drafted in the lottery. He went to the bum-ass Carson Edwards came in off the bench in the second quarter. And proceeded to hug up bricks because that's what he does. Yep. But you know what that told me? In the order, the pecking order of the rotation, Carson Edwards is ahead of Aaron Neesmith right now. And Carson Edwards is not an NBA player. 
So if Aaron Neesmith isn't getting in over and not an NBA player, guess what that makes Aaron Neesmith? Not an NBA player. And I'm so close to calling him done. I know it's early in his career. I don't care. I've seen this so many times. I saw it with Ankiel Harry. You either can play or you can't. And if you're getting DMP coaches' decisions in five of the first seven games in your NBA career on a team that's benched is at best, at best semi-below average, you can't play. I, 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 think, I think he can't play. I think it's a complete swing and miss. I watched Sadiq Bey from Villanova light up the Celtics on Friday night with five threes. That's exactly what the Celtics need off their bench. That's where they were supposed to draft in Aaron Neesmith. And I know he was hurt. I don't care. He's healthy now. He's probably, they're on a second night of a back-to-back tonight. So if he doesn't play tonight on a second night of a back-to-back, when Jeff Teague, their top guy off the bench, is out, I mean, what does that tell you? If he can't get in on a second night of a back-to-back in the NBA when you're trying to rest guys, if he, this is a big game for him tonight because it will tell me a lot. If he's a DMP, I'm like 90% out on him. If he's a DMP coach's decision tonight on a second night of a back-to-back, when your bench rotation is going to be Peyton Pritchard, uh, Grant Williams and Semi Ojale, then I'm out. I'm done. He's a bust. So the the funny thing you mentioned about bringing up Sadiq Bay is didn't weren't there better options than a guy who just spent his last season in college basketball on the sidelines due to injury? Were there no better options to pick? I mean, Sadiq Bay came in. He was okay. In yesterday's game on Sunday, but on Friday night he was playing down the stretch in the fourth quarter, and I'm not saying I need Neesmith to be playing down the stretch, right? But for him not even to play, for Brad to put Carson Edwards in over when he needs offense over Aaron Neesmith, to me that's telling. It that is. is telling. And it's also, I mean, again, like you said, you don't need Sadiq Bay to even be what he did to the Celtics day in, day out. But he's shown you already so much more. And a lot of the other guys that the, the, that the Celtics could have taken, uh, probably, just based off the fact that they've probably played in NBA games, have shown you more than what Nesmith has shown. And, you know, I wonder if he's hurt. And they, I feel like they would it'd be weird for him to be hurt and them not say anything about it. But again, it is super strange that he just has he continues to not see the court. So I don't know. That that, that is awfully strange to me. I would like to uh, say though, um, this has nothing to do with Aaron Nesmith, but uh, I am a I'm a TT stan, uh, and I've loved the way that Tristan Thompson has played for this team so far. I mean, he has always been a guy who is going to come in and give you 10 and 10. And I mean 10 and 10. He won't probably get many more points than 10. He'll probably get 12. He'll probably have some 12. Maybe a 14. Yeah. And then once in a while. He'll have a 19. Like, yeah, once, once in a, a while. <laughs> yeah, once a month, like we could say, he'll come in and give you like a 20 and a 10 kind of night. But he's a pretty good, consistent 10 and 10. And that is fantastic. I love that as a big man. Be a good rim protector and give us 10, or shouldn't say us, I, I feel like I'm going to get backlash on that. But give the Celtics 10 and 10, protect that rim, and you are, you're already light years above Daniel Theus in my book. And Robert Williams, I don't even know. I, I, I don't love that guy, man. The I Time Lord. I don't, I don't, I don't love flashes. the Time Lord. 
Yeah, but like at what point do you have to stop pointing to just flashes? At what point are flashes unacceptable anymore? I don't think we're there quite yet. But I don't know, man. Another year or so of this, of just flashes being the defense for Robert Williams? I think we got a problem. I think we got a problem. I mean, I think he's a backup center. I he's not going to be DeAndre Jordan. That's what people like wanted, like when he was drafted. Like, but like, that well, was, like what 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 pick was Robert Williams drafted? Twenty seven. Okay, I thought it was more closer to a lottery pick. No, twenty seven as a backup center in the NBA. Yeah, okay. I mean Jordan went thirty three though. But that's like the thing is, is that they both went to Texas A and M. They're both similar players, like in college. Mm-hmm. But at least when I see Robert Williams play, and I know he's been hurt like a lot during his rookie year and then last year he was hurt too for a while when he plays you see flashes of something when i see once again when i see aaron neesmith play which is only two games and then in the preseason he played two and he didn't come in the first preseason game to the second half which was the first big sign to me i mean i he's got nothing i think brad doesn't trust him at all and then from what i've seen when he comes in Two of seven against Memphis, one of three against Brooklyn. That's totals three of ten, thirty percent from the field. He's got he, he doesn't have it. He can't play. League lights are too bright. Too much of a uh, a step up from when he played at Vanderbilt against trash competition in the first half of the season before he got hurt at the beginning of SEC play. And it's just, it hurts because. Lugan's door it's, better. It's more of a reflection on on Danny Ainge than it is on him. Like he's gonna get a lot of the slack because people are gonna come around, just like they came on around on Enkil Harry. Now nah, some and, still have. And you can vindicate me, but I'm already. He's done. I pray that I'm wrong. All right, I see people on Twitter, and it's the exact same thing I've seen so many times for athletes. He's young. He needs time. He's hurt. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he cracks the playoff rotation because. You know, I got I got a friend that heard that he's a really good shooter. You know, I watch some YouTube videos of him. Now, either have it or you don't. No one never plays their rookie year and then turns into a stud. I don't care what you say. And I'm not even asking to be a stud. But, like, Sadiq Bey, I watch him play. And, no, he's never going to be a star, okay? But he's going to be a bench player in the NBA. And he's going to give you some threes. He's going to give you some good defense. He's probably going to play 20 to 30 minutes. And maybe, you know, maybe At his least. ceiling is, is a is a starter, like a Jay Crowder, like a Jay Crowder type. <clears throat> and there's nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, I, that's, I, a good, that's a good NBA player. You, you got, you know, 8 to 10 years in the league. You make a ton of money because the NBA's salary cap is so high and the CBA is so player friendly. Yep. But Aaron Neesmith, I mean, I watch this guy and I see, I see James Young or Yabuselli. I see guys that don't get picked up off their rookie deal, and they're just so awful. I mean, James Young was 16th pick, and Yabusa was 18, and Neesmith was 14. So it's like, they did 18, bust. Let's go with 16, bust. Now let's move up another two, 14, bust. And Romeo Langford, that's another guy that at least when I've seen Romeo Langford play last year, which was not a lot because he was hurt a lot. He's hurt again. Glass. I've seen flashes out of Romeo Langford. He had a game that uh, Dan Roach was actually at last year where he scored like 19 points. When he comes in the game, 
I see him moving with the ball. He he looks like he belongs at least in the NBA, like off the bench at some point. Better frame for it too. I think knee, he's bigger. Neesmith, I, I'm telling you, if he, I'll send it in the chat. If he is a DMP coach's decision tonight on a second half of back to back with a shortened bench, I'm done. Mm-hmm. He, I'm ready to call his career over after eight games. That's what I'm ready to do. Wow, that's career over. <laughs> That's that's. It doesn't mean bold. he'll never play, but like he won't make it off his rookie deal. His career relevance is over, apparently. Damn, that's cold. But you know what? Hey, we are the cool zone. Plenty. So, anything else uh, Celtics related? As we are pretty much at the hour mark, actually a little past it, but um, I'm not really too concerned about uh, that. But they play uh, Toronto tonight. They're dogs. They're four-point dogs. And we're I, recording this Monday night, by the way. I don't think they're going to win tonight. Maybe I'll be wrong with that. I mean, they'll probably win by 30, and Aaron Neesmith will have 30 nah. after this pod. <laughs> well, okay. You mean, you say you compare to Ankyl Harry. We've been saying Ankyl Harry's going to have a breakout game for you yes. know, 17 <laughs> yes. weeks, and that hasn't happened yet. So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be too concerned about you know that reverse psychology coming back to bite you in the ass. So, um, But I think this team, their playoff team, no doubt. Yeah. I I don't know if Kemba. I'm really concerned about Kemba. We can that save, we can save that for Kemba. another episode, maybe. Yeah, sure. But I still think they're uh, the Kemba. I flies. like them as a three to a five seed coming into the East, coming into the year, and I still like them as a three to a five seed in the East. Yeah, I don't think too much has changed. I know a couple players went out. Uh, I mean, we're talking about backup players that went out, but I, I I don't think their roster had much of an alteration because I mean you. You, you you had fans really uh really advocating for the Celtics to make a big change to to their lineup, you know, go and get somebody that would push you over the hump. And you know, they just didn't do it. So whoa, I, I whoa. what they did do it. They have a 27.4 million dollar trade exception. Oh, my god, I can't believe I forgot about trade <laughs> exception. All right, we got to talk about trade exception because that guy has been balling lately. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So if you don't know trade exception, he's getting paid $27 million, as you said. The biggest trade exception in the history of the sport. But you know what the other thing is? He's not getting the minutes he deserves. No, I don't think so. I mean, he's been sitting out on the sidelines for what? How many games in are we? Seven games in? Yes. Why is he not getting in the game? I think this is sense. a witch hunt against trade exception. Yes. I mean, maybe come the trade deadline, they'll they'll use them more. But I don't... I would hope so. I worry that they, they're going to lose him. Or they might use him for someone light. And they might just diminish his skills in the offseason for oh. something that isn't worth the price that, that they're paying him. Listen, trade exception has all the skills to be a big-time player in this league. He just needs time. Yes, 100%. He just needs time. I've seen it. I watched him in college. I watched him in high school. I watched his uh, highlight, his huddle, his huddle films uh, on YouTube. And this guy is going to break out. I know it. In due time. I don't want to break the fourth wall, but what would this huddle video be for a trade exception? Uh, would it just be a giant just piece a lot, of paper? Yeah, just a lot of... Or uh, just stacks of money? Yeah, like, just trade exception. You can find him on huddle. <laughs> He's nasty. Like, it's just a money machine, like a, a yeah. printing machine that's just printing money. Yeah. Like, $27 million. Oh, that's funny. 
but they i mean they they really are i would i would be afraid of whether they're actually going to put that trade exception to use but yeah or at um, least like i i don't see them using it this year and they're probably there's going to be all these people on Celtics Twitter are going to talk about how they're going to trade for this guy and this guy and that guy. And they're, it's going to be so toxic. Yeah, they're never going to use it. I mean, the problem is the franchise and the organization is just have they have such a bad rep. For... I don't know why they the the problem is that they bring it on themselves because they they did all this drafting and then they always come out and say like, you know, we were looking for this guy. You know, we had a lot of calls with people. It just didn't work out. Why don't you just come out and say, like, we liked the pick we had, and we stuck with it because no one wanted to trade with us because we need to swindle everyone we trade with. <clears throat> well, I think it's very obvious why they don't say that, but obviously it's not the answer <laughs> you want to hear. No. Um, when you got in-game, you're spending your picks on Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> Aaron Neesmith. He is and Keel Harry. He needs time, all right? You're giving him too much heat. He's so young. He's like 19. He's I don't know 21. how old. Is he 21? I didn't yeah. know how actually old he's he was. This, he's the same age that Jason Tatum was last year. Yeah. He's the same age as Sidney hey, not, not everybody can be Jason Tatum, man. No, not everyone can be Jason Tatum. But a lot of people can be Sadiq Bey. That's fair. I'm not going to argue that, but hey, I don't know. We'll see. Give him time. Give him, give him, give him time, man. Just I give mean, him a little time. Just a little time. If, if he doesn't play tonight, he's canceled for me. He's done. I'm pulling the plug on his whole career if he doesn't play tonight. I'll tell you what. That'll be league and world-altering news <laughs> if he gets canceled by you uh, tonight if he yes. doesn't play. So uh, whenever you do hear this pod, uh, that you'll you'll know whether he's canceled or not. And if he's canceled, the, the, the next pod will be... Uh, I'd be surprised if there wasn't confetti in the next pod because this kid's gonna be throwing a party in the next podcast episode. It's celebrating the cancellation of Aaron Neesmith. Nobody likes canceling players more than you, I don't think. I think it might be one of your favorite pastimes. Maybe. All right. So nonetheless, I think that'll wrap up our Celtics talk at least for this episode. Uh, I think we can at least talk about a few things going around the league before we officially wrap up this episode of the Cool Zone at the Cool Zone pod on twitter um actually one last thing i wanted to bring up before we do that um because the 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 twitter account actually commented on one of these things um one of uh the mouth and off sports employees uh zach lacy uh there's a bet between him and dan about jalen brown being an all nba yes Team, uh, I just want to get your thoughts. Do you think uh, whose side are you on here? Who do you? What well, do you... I'm I'm rooting for Dan. Well, of course, rooting. But um, like realistically, what do you see happening? Who's get Who's getting the Who Who's getting the burrito? I would lean as of right now. I lean towards uh, Zach, just because I look at the I All thought. NBA team and I look at last year's and I say who is coming off and who would Jalen Brown replace? My initial. I go to Pascal Siakam and say he's going to be off the All-NBA team. But then I also think, well, Kevin Durant is going to be on the All-NBA team. And I think Siakam and Durant wash each other. And then everyone else, as of right now, I still go. I think Jimmy Butler made an All-NBA team last year. Maybe you could make an argument for Jimmy Butler. Um, But other than that, uh, it's going to be a struggle for him. But, But that all goes in line with me expecting his numbers to drop from where they are now. If for some reason they don't drop the whole year, then yeah, he's going to make an all-NBA team. 
but I expect them to drop, so I side with Zach. I wish, as I told Dan uh, last night on PlayStation, I wish he had done the bet for an All-Star game. Because I think Jalen Brown, the way he's playing right now, <coughs> is a pretty good shot to make the All-Star that would, game. That would have been a much better bet, I agree. But, uh, hey, but it doesn't you... surprise me that, that Dan was probably scared to go All-Star game because he, he's scared to go up to Zach. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's... Or scared uh, Zach wouldn't agree well, to I, it unless he... he he probably wanted to give Zach the easiest bet because he's yes. he's a lap yes. dog. He doesn't want to give, give him yeah. He doesn't want to give Zach a bet that like he actually thinks he could win, or right, Zach right. might not take because he thinks Zach would. Because Zach might think he would. Of lose. course, and we know Dan's addicted to buying people burritos. Yes. He probably owes everybody in the league at least one at this point. All right, so let's let's wrap up this week's episode with some stuff going around the league. I know we already kind of mentioned. Uh, a few people. I know we talked about uh, like Christian Wood. We talked about Colin Sexton. Um, I am really impressed with DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, he has been balling this year, man. Um, I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but I feel like every night I see uh, posts about DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, I feel like he's turning into the best player on that team. And Malcolm Brogdon's also having a sneaky, uh, well, maybe not so sneaky anymore, because he's always been kind of a good player. Um Ever since he was in Milwaukee, he was in Milwaukee, right? I don't have that twisted. Who? Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, before he was on Indiana. Yeah, so I mean, if they got the Pacers have three guys averaging over twenty points a game right now, and Sabonis is he's averaging a double double, and he's also leading the team in assists. So I mean, the Pacers. I want to say that the Pacers are like like a top five team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but they're always like fringe. Yes. So they, they always end up going either way. But, I mean, they have some good talent. Now, listen, that injury to TJ Warren really hurts because TJ Warren was actually turning into a really good scoring, uh, a really good scorer. I was going to say scoring player, same thing. Uh, but he's going to be out for a while now. Uh, and he was averaging about 15.5 points a game, you know, a few rebounds. I mean, that's I mean, – TJ Warren, he's just going to shoot the ball. That's all he'd really – KD. Yeah, he's essentially KD. Um, but between Brogdon, Sabonis, and Oladipo, I mean, Brogdon – Malcolm Brogdon's averaging 22 points a game. I have him fantasy. He's very good. And then he also gives you, like, about four rebounds, six assists so far, a couple, like about a steal and a half or so. I mean, he's got – his player efficient rate – player is – Player efficiency rating per per. I should have just said per, but you know, twenty three point four oh four. I'm gonna guess that that's pretty good. Um, so I mean, listen, I would definitely. This is one of the teams I would pay attention to. The Cavs are sitting at four and two. I think that's such a that's that's fake. I don't think they stay four and two. They do not have the talent to actually stay there. I know they have Drummond, but. You know what the weird thing about Andre Drummond is? Is his field goal percentage is awful this year. And I watched some clips of him playing. And he's like... He's like bringing the ball up the court for them. Hey. And then he's like... or Not only that, but he's like handling the ball at the top, like the three-point line. And then like driving to the rim from the three-point line. You, you know who they run their offense through? Besides Darius Garland, as we mentioned earlier. They run their offense through Larry Nance. Larry you know, Nance is averaging like fr- seven assists this year. I was afraid you were going to say that because I have, <laughs> I I saw on the stat leaders uh, board that Larry Nance is leading the league in steals. 
Yes. 2.7 steals per game. Goaded. That is pretty goaded. But, like, Larry Nance. Yeah, I have... If uh, you're surrounding your team by Larry Nance, I mean, there you're not. I have Larry Nance's stats right here. Yeah, as he, do I. He is averaging nine points. I'm going to round up. So he's averaging nine points, eight boards, five assists, and three steals. That is an absurd stat line yeah. for Larry Nance. <laughs> I, I, he's it's the assists and the steals that that the the rebounds and the points aren't that like jaw dropping for me. Yeah, but it's the assists, really ha- the assists. I have to think at some point that those numbers will fall down. Yes, there's no not, way they continue to run this offense playing, around him. He's playing like Nikola Jokic, like light. Yeah, like very light, but like he's still not good. As big, yeah. But back back to my point um, about Andre Drummond. He's shooting 46% from the field this year as, like, a that's, center. That's so bad for a center. For, but not he's, only just a center, he, but for Andre Drummond. What does he know? He's got to be, like, 60% normally, something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can find that out for you in a second. But, like, yeah, he's a guy who normally – he he's like the 2020 machine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he does not – okay, so I have it here. He's a career 54% uh, from the field. So I guess the, I, 46 – doesn't seem as bad, but like, it, it. I think it's just more so the eye test of what I've seen from him actually on the court. Yes. Uh, it just looks weird the way that he's been playing, and that bothers me. <laughs> but to wrap things up, the Cavaliers are four and two right now. They're sitting at third in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they stay there. The 76ers and Pacers, uh, they lead the Eastern Conference. I actually think they'll probably stay around that area. The Pacers might drop a couple games or so. Um, then you have the Magic. The Magic have actually been another big surprise so far. They were the they they, they were the team that made it undefeated the longest. Um, now they sit at four and two. They have lost two in a row, and I think one of them was to my my guys over in OKC. Um, I don't know about the Magic. Um, I don't trust them. I don't trust. But them they either. have made the playoffs a lot. I they're an eight seed. They'll be the 8th seed. Oh, well, do I trust them to be an 8th seed? Uh, probably, yeah. Yes. Um, we talked about the Hawks a little bit. We really like the Hawks. Trae yeah, Young. I think they're a surprise. They're a surprise team. They're like a 6th seed, and if Indiana's in that 3 seed, then I could see like a 6-3 upset in the playoffs. For sure. It's just about whether they mesh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, I, like, I don't like the appeal of playing John Collins and Clint Capella at the same time. I just, I, I don't. I don't like the fit. And Collins maybe can shoot the three, though. Collins can shoot the three. How well? I don't like remember. Forty percent. He's kind of a dead eye, but he doesn't shoot that much. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe in this role, he'll he'll start to shoot more. I don't think he's. I mean, listen, he hasn't been playing as well as he normally does, but that's that's just because. I mean, of the there fact that... there have been talks of the Hawks trying to move John Collins. Yeah. Because they, um, he's pretty good. He's gonna get a big contract, and they're gonna give Trey Young the super max in oh, yeah. a few years. So, worst defender in the league, Trey yeah, Young. Yeah, they're. Uh, yeah. They might not be able to afford him. Yeah, good, so the Celtics spot for trade exception. The Celtics follow the Hawks. Yeah, trade exception. Oof. <laughs> so the Celtics follow the Hawks, and we've already done plenty of that. And then the Knicks and Bucks. The Knicks um, will drop. Yeah, Bucks will the, rise. Yeah, that's for sure. And then the Nets, Nets are three and four, and that's 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 kind of disappointing. 
Hey, um, I I hope I hope it blows up there. I hope it does. Yeah. So the real I think the real surprise is the fact that I didn't expect the Heat to start two and three, and I know it's still so early, uh, but I would expect the Heat play a little better, uh, and probably work their way up the standings. And then the Raptors are just awful. Yeah, they the Raptors. Um, they're playing the Celtics tonight, as I mentioned before. This is a huge game for the Raptors. They have to win this game mm-hmm. to be one in five. I mean, in a shortened season. I mean, you gotta you gotta really be thinking uh, if you start one and five. Their their per game averages don't strike me as alarming though. What's their point differential? It's minus two point six. That's not bad. It's they not always, bad. They always say look at the point differential for the real. Uh... I think the beef here is the fact that they're really low scoring right now. Their defense is generally pretty good. It's actually probably one of the top in the Eastern Conference. But their their offense is pr- is brutal. Well, they lost their bench help. Like, Serge Ibaka, um, you know, they lost. He was a really good player off their bench. Right. I think they lost another person off their bench, too. And oh, jeez, I can't remember. Some of them haven't taken, like, a leap as much as they, like, OG and Nunaboy didn't take And Siakam hasn't been doing them any no, favors, Siakam's either. Siakam's been kind of bad this year. Stay like, away. actually bad. So, and... Other than that, I mean, things are pretty much where you would expect. Um, I don't really... Like, Jeremy Grant for the Pistons has actually had a really good year. Which which only makes my heart so happy and full. Um, and, and speaking of my heart, um, you know, the tank is on for OKC. I got no beef with it. We got, like, 20 picks in the next five years. Nothing but love uh, over there. I just, I just want to break some news, actually, right now. Oh, okay. Breaking news on the pod. This is uh, just broken from Shams one minute ago. Sure. I would assume this is most likely the way this is uh, listed. I think this is a close contact, probably. Okay. But Net star Kevin Durant is listed out Tuesday versus Utah due to NBA's coronavirus health and safety protocols. So, I think if he tested positive for COVID, they'd say he had COVID. What this strikes me as probably a close contact okay. has COVID, so that could hurt the Nets for a game or two. But there's 10 games less of this NBA season than normal. So any game your star players miss and you lose is going to affect you more than in a regular season. Right. And that's that's going to be the problem with COVID over the, to- the course of this entire season. You know what I mean? Because mm. games just mean so much more uh, than they do on any given year. Yeah. Well, it'll so, be interesting to see. I know I read that the NBA thinks, I thought it was in late January or mid-February, and then like March at the very latest, they think they can start having the resources to get their players that want it vaccinated. Mm. Yeah, I think you're definitely, as far as coronavirus goes, I think you're definitely going to see more of the same of what, is happening to Durant right now. Uh, and I would I would like to think that they can get the vaccine out to players who want him now so that we can kind of avoid these kind of things happening. Yeah. I, Although, I, even if the players get the vaccine, for this Kevin Durant situation, I don't really think that would help it because who's, who's to say it's not someone in his entourage that wouldn't be getting the vaccine until very late if they're close contacts? Because just because you get the vaccine, it's only, whatever, 94% effective, allegedly, well, so, I wouldn't say only is kind of putting it in there. Yes, but also in the fact that just because you come in contact with someone and you have the vaccine, 
they're still going to sit you because there's that 6% chance yeah, that you right. have COVID. They have to in yeah. this situation. And the other thing is everything with the vaccine, I don't feel like it's going to be figured out this year. Uh, I, with these kind of things, I like I like to expect longer um, yes. process. I, mean, I, I, and I also process. am hopeful about the vaccines, but this is kind of a topic for a different type of pod. But <laughs> I, think, this pod. I think that we should hope for stadiums full and this might not even be realistic, but this this is my hopeful guess for the start of next year's NFL season. Hmm. So that would be September of 2021. Yeah, you take the rest of the winter and then spring and summer, and hopefully by then things are normalized. Fans are yes. back in, players are safe, people are safe. That's all you can hope for. Um, and I think on that note, I think we could probably just wrap this John up. Good with me. Um, hour and a half in, really, really good. Feeling good about that. So, as usual, folks, um, be sure to expect probably weekly podcasts here. Um, everything we talked about today is pretty much going to be fair game every week. And obviously, as different things happen, different things will be discussed. So, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod and follow our. Uh, umbrella of sports podcast at Maldonoff Sports. Um, I believe it's at Maldonoff Sports. I don't think it's at Maldonoff Radio. I, I don't know which one is which, but honestly, follow them both. Who you know, Why not? Um, be sure to hit up our other fellow podcasts, uh, Fixin' to Talk Sports with Ryan Brown. Um, I'm pretty sure his Twitter handle is at Fixin' Talk Sports. Like, Sounds it's right. not Fixin' to Talk. It's Fixin' Talk Sports on Twitter. Sounds right. Uh, something very something very Ryan to do. Um, but nonetheless, um, this has been the Cool Zone Pod, episode one. Stay tuned every week for more NBA basketball coverage. I am Nick Brown, signing off alongside John Sullivan. Hope everybody has a fantastic day and a fantastic week. See you next time. Go Thunder. Go Tatum. Thank mm-hmm. you.